the Wednesday edition. The Brian Blaga, what are you doing here? Edition. The Kansas City Chiefs have their parade today, and I know a guy who was in a parade for a Super Bowl himself. We're going to take him for a walk down memory lane. Edition. And the... We're going to do that, but we're also going to go back to heartbreaking losses. Because Tausch was obsessed with this yesterday. He's on vacation. He can't hear me saying this. But it was a little, I don't want to say morbid, but this idea that you'd rather lose earlier to avoid the heartbreak of losing in the big game or losing in heartbreaking fashion, I, I, I don't, I need somebody else to try and help me understand it. Edition of Wilde and Tausch. On 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, 100.5 ESPN Madison, 1430 ESPN Beaver Dam. ESPNWisconsin.com, the ESPN app, your Alexa smart speaker, streaming live video, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, everything you need, podcasts, live video, whatever you want, on WisconsinOnDemand.com and the Wisconsin On Demand app. I'm Jason Wilde in Green Bay. Jesse Nelson is in the Everlight Solar ESPN Madison Studios. Good morning, Jesse. Morning. And from his undisclosed location, somewhere in the great state of Florida, that makes him a Florida man, I guess, theoretically. (laughs) So we'll have to discuss what kind of crazy things he's done since he's gone from a Chicagoland man to a Iowa man to a Green Bay man to a Florida man. He is the future Packers Hall of Famer. We got that on the schedule yet? We got Clay Matthews going in, I know. We got to get you on the schedule. We got to get this. So, so then when Tausch is out, our cousin sub of the day, cousin subs we believe in better, is in with him in the Packers Hall of Fame. He's Brian Belaga. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are we doing? Am I contractually obligated to... A, call you the doctor of football, and B, nag you about not having your college degree from Iowa. Is that Am I required to do that because that's what Homer does no. every time you're on the Homer Hour? No, I mean, I think that's something that he's, you know, he's made up because I think he likes to give me a hard time because I don't have the college degree, but then he says I study football and I should be studying normal college study things, which I still, uh, you know, I don't get it, but you know what? He likes to roll with the doctor of football. I do not consider myself that. Um, more well, of an what, enthusiast. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you consider yourself? What iteration Just, of football fan are you? <laughs> oh, I like it. Um, more, you know, I'm just a, a person that enjoys watching it from the standpoint of more of the intricacies of the game. And what I mean by that is I like to watch the game from a different view, right? Like a lot of the mm-hmm. people, when you, when they watch football, they like to follow the ball and look at the quarterback and things yeah. of that, which is great, right? Like, I, you know, I, fi- I sometimes find myself doing that as well. And then I kind of snap back into reality, and, and I kind of like to watch the finer things of the game, which is – the the trench play, the D-line, the O-line play, because nothing can happen everywhere else on the field unless up front gets done first, whether that's defensively or offensively. So I like to watch those things and, and kind of get in tune with how the game's going to go based on what I see what's happening up front. Now, 
When I rewatch these games, I do watch the ball. I follow the ball a little bit more. I'm able to I, I'm able to look at the routes a little bit more. You know, I watch the play once, rewind it, watch what happens elsewhere the second time. So I don't know if I if I'm a doctor. I'm more just a uh, enthusiast that enjoys the game and, and likes to break it down a little bit deeper, so to speak, than just what Homer likes to do and watch it once and then comment on it and watch the TV copy. I mean, listen, you can get a lot from the TV copy, but you can't get the whole story from the TV copy. And, and that's what I like. I like to get the whole story from the all 22 view. And that tells me what type of game got played. So a couple of things. First of all, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but I did not play in the National Football League. Uh, I did not. I know. I, I know that comes as a surprise <laughs> to you. Un- undersized, kind of a it's more of a slot receiver type, but uh, never quite made it. Uh, you know, I, I was at the University of Wisconsin while they had football. Uh, but I got this book many, 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 many years ago, and what you just said reminded me of this, and I'm going to put in a plug for it. I'm sure it's on Amazon. You can probably get used copies of it. But it's called... Take your eye off the ball. If you're watching on our video stream, you can see me holding it up uh, by Pat Kerwin. And I I will tell you this. As someone who did not play the game the way Brian and Tausch and City and Cliffy and whoever these unnamed former teammates are that he's protecting their identities while they're all together on this little vacation, which I'm not sure why that would be, they see the game completely different than us lay people. So that is without question. But I will tell you that what Brian said about taking your eye off the ball is really good advice because that is what, I mean, think about it. Whatever sport you're watching, that's what you're watching. Like your eyes are drawn to it. It's human nature. Well, where's the ball? And so you don't see routes that are run. You don't see protections from the offensive line. And that is really good advice. So kudos to you. Uh, I, I guess I'll downgrade you. You're like the nurse practitioner of football or something. <laughs> there we go. We need to find yeah. something lower than doctor. Uh, that intern. makes sense. Uh, but I, 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 Brian's right about that. It does lead me into the question, though. What other tips? Which Because, look. Tausch was talking earlier in the week when he joined us for his, uh, well, he joined us for two and a half of the three hours of Monday's show after the Super Bowl, and then all of yesterday. So he's down wherever he is. It, I'm guessing it's somewhere south where it's warmer. He wouldn't tell us where, where he was. I, you, I, you do. I, I know where he's at. Yeah, mm. I know. Is where he he's like at. right outside I mean, your door? Like, is he staying with you and just took the day off while you fill in? <laughs> that would be sweet, no, by the no, way. I, 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 know, the I know where he's at. We'll just say he's he's north of me, well north of me, probably eight and a half hour drive north. Oh, I, I think I know guess. where he is now too. Talanasty? Um, no, not Talanasty. No, not Talanasty. No. That's that's about a that's about a three and a half four hour drive for me. <laughs> Hard to believe Jesse would get geography wrong, whether it's Florida or Wisconsin. All right, so uh, I think I have an idea where he is. Especially that Chad Clifton thing was a little bit of a giveaway. Uh, my question is, when guys like you get together and you watch the game, what other tips would you have for a normal fan to take your eye off the ball is a good one. What else, when you watch a game, can make fans smarter fans, and they could be, again, 
Um, maybe they'd be an orderly. I don't want to keep this uh, hospital analogy going, but they're not going to be a yeah. doctor like you. What what tips do you have for how to watch football the Brian Bulaga way? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I I kind of gave it away, and you with the book, which was smart. Like, obviously, don't watch the ball, but I like to look at it too. From you know, everyone likes to talk about the Matt Lafleur motions in the offense and the Kyle Shanahan's all the motions that are happening now. When those motions happen, you can get a really good idea of the defense by watching what happens when the motions happen, right? Mm-hmm. If a guy goes in motion and no one travels with him and the defense just shifts over, it's most likely a zone. And what comes with the zone is there could be fi- you know zone fire pressures, things of that nature. And if the quarterback's doing his job and going through a cadence, you'll see defenders start to creep up, move around, get a little antsy because they know if there's a pressure and they're in zone and now they understand that the quarterback understands they're in zone, they start to get a little little antsy that they need to get back into their zone. Mm-hmm. So guys start to move and shift a little bit. And then obviously the counterpart to that is if guys are running with motion guys, they're probably in man-to-man and they could be in a two-deep man. They could be um, in a one-deep man. And you just kind of look at the safeties in the back end, how they rotate. And when the ball snapped, if they're dropping two back, obviously it's a two-high man look. Or if one guy comes flying down in the box, it's a one-high look. And one guy has run support. So you kind of get an idea of how a team is playing, especially the Packers who do a lot of motions, how this defense is going to approach playing the Green Bay Packers based on what the motion shows you. Um, And then defensively, I always like, especially with the Packers, I really like to watch the front, right? The front four, front five. Now we're getting into this new era of a four down front majority of the time or it's going to be all the time, really, unless it's in prevent defense, which everybody hates. Um, Kind of the way the front is attacking the offense. So this new scheme that we're going to see, which I'm really excited to watch, is it's more like the 49ers scheme where the front four is jetting off the ball. They are flying up the field three steps hard and then read, right, where we're used to seeing – our defense punch and read they separate read then they go into their pass rush or they go to stop the run it's more of a read and react where this is we're rolling we're we're jetting up the field our heads down we're we're getting to the quarterback as we're playing the run and what you start to see is are we attacking this offense with stunts with twists are we do we feel confident with our one-on-one matchups that we're just you know going straight ahead are we bringing safeties down in the box are we worried about the run that much or do we feel that our front six can handle the run now i'm hoping a lot of this we feel really good with our front six being able to handle the run game and we can do what say the 49ers do and drop the rest of guys in coverage and really blanket receivers and and take away options for quarterbacks Mm -hmm. as we saw in the super bowl right as we saw the 49ers whether you want to say they were getting held or whatever it was. I heard the whole home. hour. You guys definitely yeah. felt they were getting held, and you were right. Yeah. Yeah. And and if they're not getting home with their front four, they start to bring pressure. And what happens with good quarterbacks is you start to get diced up if the quarterback knows what pressure is coming. And that's what we kind of saw with San Francisco late in that game. They started to bring pressure. And Mahomes saw it, he read it, and he would find these quick checkdowns and quick um, crossing routes to 
to his wide receivers, and it would go for big gains. So that's what I kind of like to see is the chess match um, between the coordinators and the play callers and the players on the field of what's working and what's not. And and the ball, to me, is secondary, right? Like, I'll, I'll watch the ball on the replay. If it's a big play, you kind of get to see it. But I like to see what happens all beforehand, um, pre-snap and kind of post-snap, especially up front when I'm watching. Because you can learn a lot just by kind of tuning into what happens around the ball, not necessarily following it, but what happens um, leading up to the snap and kind of as the play is going on by not following it. I mean, that's just me, though. I mean, All right, so so one more know. thing One more thing on this. I want to get back into your thoughts on the, the defense and what it might look like because I think that's going to be really interesting for fans. And, and I am – look, I've got you tomorrow, too. We can have more fun tomorrow. But I, I do think that especially – and I say this with nothing but love in my heart for old T. Uh, he is a genius, and it comes with genius of football. But we do tend to talk about a lot of other things on this program, uh, where his mind takes us. Uh, so no way. I wanna, I've never yeah, noticed that. I, I know never, it comes as a surprise that. to you. This is the first you're hearing of it. So, so I, I wanted. To, this is how I kind of envisioned the show going: was talking more hardcore football with you because I think people will enjoy it. But I am curious. You have non-football player friends, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you watch when you watch a football game with them, are you uh, are you annoying them with your observations that they don't see because they don't know the game like you do? Are you putting on like a clinic to help them see things that they might not be seeing and they appreciate it? Like, are you a fun guy to crack open a couple of Coors Lights and sit back and watch a game with, or? Do you think your friends are like, oh, God, Bulaga's here. He's going to teach us about football again. Yeah, you know, I don't – I know – I find myself when I'm with buddies watching games, I try to, like, be a normal fan of it, right? Like, I, I, I find myself staying more quiet and kind of – Try to be a normal yeah, fan. I, yeah, I try to be a normal fan. And obviously, if something happens throughout a game or if, you know – uh, like a good buddy of mine, he's a Chiefs fan. Um, and early in the season, you know, they, he would come over and watch the games. And, you know, we had the YouTube TV, so we'd stream all the games. And, you know, he'd be – and Chiefs early on in the season were not good, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he'd be yelling at the TV and, they, you know, this team. And, you know, he'd be getting upset at them. And he'd just kind of watch it and explain to them what's happening, why this is happening, you know, X, Y, and Z. And whether they – you know, buddies of mine want to take that for what it's worth or their fandom kind of pulls them in a different direction that, you know, it, it is what it is. But when I watch the games, I just like to, you know, like you said, have a couple cold ones, kind of sit back, relax, enjoy it. Um, I don't like to get too technical with them because a lot of the times, like, if you get too technical um, with your non-football buddies, it kind of goes over their head, right? And they don't really understand it. And then you kind of feel like you're just talking to yourself, which is pointless. Um, and then, you know, you kind of lose the vibe of the moment, right? And, and the whole thing about watching the NFL and watching it with friends is it's, it's an experience and it's entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to take away from the entertainment of the game and the experience of it. And, you know, when, if you're with somebody that played, 
all you do is nerd out and talk about it, right? Like, and you, t- and you talk about literally the things we were just discussing, right? You're, you're watching all the pre-snap movement. You're hearing the checks at the line. You're talking about, you know, you know, they're running this type of coverage. They should be attacking the middle of the field. You know, you don't go over that with people that don't really care about that kind of thing, right? They they want to thought they want to see Pat Mahomes throw the ball. They want to see um, Lamar Jackson run all over the place and run and spin moves and jump over guys. And you know, they want to watch that. They don't want to hear the little finer details of the game that allows all that to happen, which, um, you know, when you talk to them outside of watching football, they want to hear about that. Like if you're not watching a game and you're just having some beers with friends or just hanging out and they want to talk about those fun things, those stories and and the details of it and who was, who was the toughest guy to block? How did you block them? Or, you know, they want to hear about it then. But mm-hmm. when you're watching a game, they just kind of want to watch the game. And that's the way – and I appreciate that because there's times where I just want to watch it. But, you know, for the most part, it's it's sit back, relax, enjoy it. And, you know, if any questions come up, I'll be more than happy to try to answer them and explain them. But I just – nerding out with people that didn't play. And I'm not saying that people that didn't play don't understand the game because, like, you you know, you're a perfect example. You under the, understand the game very well. And there's a lot of people that understand the game very well. But it's certain things that if you didn't play, you may not understand what I'm talking about type of deal. And that's and that's not a rip or knock on anybody. That's just kind of the – we see the game differently, and that's all it is. And, and, and that's – that's as simple as I could put it. Well, uh, as someone who endured uh, football guy uh, versus media guy last week with a uh, co-host to be named later, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I do th- I do want to take advantage of you being here and open up the phone lines if people do have questions about your insights into the game, because I do think that would be fun. So we are yeah. here for you. 844-770-3776, 844-770-3776 with Brian Bulaga in as our cousin sub of the day. We'll, we'll get to more of the defensive talk. I do want to ask you, though, about your memories of the parade after Super Bowl Forty Five because the Chiefs today are having their parade, and I was at the stadium, and I don't – got to be honest, there's not many things that I forget – but I don't remember what the parade consisted of. Oh, it, it was bad. I, I, I remember bad. the 96 team's parade, which was uh, open-aired buses and people freezing their tails off as they made their way through the city and then arrived at Lambeau. I'm curious, because I just went straight to the stadium and waited for you guys to arrive. I did not follow the caravan throughout town. So we'll talk about that with Brian Blog, our cousin sub of the day. Next, it's Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and sponsored by American Family Insurance. is our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better, so he'll be here for all three hours as opposed to the 
40 to 50 minutes we keep him when he's supposed to be for a half hour on Wednesdays. And be on the clock today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might actually stay on schedule, too. Hey, before we get to some calls, because we're already having them line up, uh, it, maybe I'm misrepre- misremembering this. I think Josh DiMaggio has the same question. Was there a parade when you won the Super Bowl? So, uh, no, it was actually very like it was the one thing that I thought was not well done, right? So we got back from Dallas, went right on these buses that drove us to the stadium where you were waiting. So it was really unfair because all the wives and girlfriends were on a different plane coming back. They didn't even get to experience any of it. They didn't get to see it. We didn't go around Green Bay. We literally went from the airport on these buses right to the stadium, and that was it. And that was it. No parade, no nothing. It was really, like, it kind of robbed us a little bit, right? And and I'm not sure if they did that because, obviously, the lockout was happening and the season was over, and I don't know if they could do certain things. Mm. But we didn't have a – there was no parade. There was nothing, and it was, and the like I said, like Abby was on a plane coming back from Dallas, so she wasn't even there for when we got off the plane and got onto these buses. Like there was nothing. There wasn't. The bad part was there wasn't a case of beer on these buses. <laughs> there was nothing. Like there, the, the, there was absolutely nothing, and it and it kind of like I look back on it, and that was the one thing we got robbed of. I feel like was that. Well, we'll take that up with Mark Murphy as he heads out uh, into retirement when he reaches age 70. Do you have any regrets? How about not having a parade after you won the Super Bowl? And what would you yeah. tell Ed Policy when he takes over for the next Super Bowl that you win? Um, that's I, bad. I'd, I'd be, I'd that's be, crazy. Yeah. yeah, it just was it, – it, it, it was like they didn't think it out. Like, like it wasn't – planned like it and it's unreal because you said we're if they would have said we're having a parade on tuesday the whole town of green bay would have been there no matter what the temperature was they wouldn't it wouldn't have mattered um and then you would have had gave you know families time to get back from dallas which they were on the plane behind us like we we took off and i think 40 minutes later the families took off right behind us so it wasn't like there was a big discrepancy in when they were getting home or whatever it was and it just it felt everything felt rushed. Like we gotta get it done. We gotta get it done. Who cares? Like we're done with it. Like moving on. Like go to the stadium, do your thing, and we're done. And it just felt like we got kind of the short end of the stick. And again, I'm not sure if it was because of the lockout. They might have that's maybe the story that, hey, we're about to be locked out. We don't once the season's done, it's done. Like it's over. We can't do any of these things anymore. But it felt Felt like we got robbed a little bit. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I. That's why I, that would explain why I don't remember the parade. Uh, I thought yeah. maybe it was just because I went straight to the stadium and waited for you guys, but clearly uh, not. Um, I'm looking at a story here um, about how they chose. They made the choice uh, to not do a parade. Um, I, I don't. I don't understand. Uh, they they actually did the event at the stadium for which they sold tickets and then the money went to charity. 
but they sold yeah, which $5. Is great. Yeah, that, that is great, but you could do both. That doesn't feel like an either-or option. No. And, 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 the parade should have happened. The right. parade should have happened. Because, like, obviously I wish I would have gone back to more Super Bowls, but I never did, so I never even got to experience the, the parade in Green Bay which you knew would have been packed. The streets would have been lined. It would have been nuts. It would have been crazy. Um, and you, we never got to experience it. And it just was like, it just was unfortunate. Cause I see all these other teams do it. And it's like, come on, man. Like that would have been awesome. Like that would have been so cool to do. I don't care what the temperature was. It would have been awesome. Yeah, and let's let's be realistic. It's Green Bay, so you don't have to. It's not Chicago. It's not New York, and it doesn't have no. to be super long. It could have been literally from uh, Austin Straubel Airport to the stadium, and they could line yes. you know Cormier Street or whatever it was, and then on to Lombardi, and then into the stadium, and then have the celebration. Well, at least we're not bitter. Um, that you're right though you're right because you, and again my point is simply you could have done both and if they yeah. i will be willing to bet uh that if they win another super bowl at least my time covering this team um i bet they do a parade cuz i bet you're not the only one who feels that way as a former player yeah fair well yo absolutely they will definitely do it differently and the thing is like Again, I'm not sure what the thought process was, but I know for a fact that they were selling the tickets, obviously. That went to charity, which is great. But you know there were still people that wanted to see the team that didn't buy tickets, right? And that's what the parade is for, for the for the fans to be able to celebrate, see the players, um, enjoy that victory with the team, right? Because there's no one probably that – would enjoy the victory more with the team than the city of Green Bay. Like, honestly, like, it's the Vince Lombardi trophy. Like, right? Like, it's in, mm-hmm. there's nobody that would enjoy it more than I think than Packer fans in probably 10 degree weather outside, you know, getting beers tossed up to them. And I mean, it just, it would have been awesome. And, and I for sure think that they get to another one and win one there will be a parade and it won't be rushed and kind of not thought out like it was, you know, when we did it. And by the way, they did it the day after you won. You won it on Super Bowl Sunday. They had this event on Monday. It's Wednesday today and the Chiefs are doing theirs. So you don't have yeah. to do it the next day either. That is also part of that equation. All right. Uh, we we've we've aired our grievances uh, which, by the way, uh, that was 13 years ago. So um, it's been a while since that parade. And we'll get into some of the disappointing losses that have occurred in the postseason in the interim a little bit later in the show. We want to get to your calls for your questions for Brian. 844-770-3776. 844-770-3776. We'll do that coming up next. want to remind you, you can take it to the bank that the Packers are going to have a parade next time they win the Super Bowl. And you can take it to the bank that Associated Bank is the place you want to be. They are the official bank of the Packers. Get Packers checking. Get all the perks that come with it. Packers Debit MasterCard. The 10% off discount at the Packers Pro Shop, both in-store and online, and the best customer service in the industry. So go to AssociatedBank.com slash Packers 
to find out more. Your questions for Brian, our cousin sub of the day, are next. It's Wilde and Tausch. This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com. I had forgotten, too, that that Super Bowl, there was also the controversy. I, mean, I guess I didn't forget it. I just haven't thought about it in a long time. Where, like, people showed up for the game for their seats, and the seats weren't there inside the stadium. They weren't installed, which would be yeah. a little weird uh, and really irritating. All right, let's get to your calls. 844-770-3776. Let's start with Jim on the south side. Jim. What question do you have for the nurse practitioner of football, Brian Balaga? Morning, guys. And, Brian, what an opportunity to get a chance to talk to you. And as a part packer owner of the team, let me personally apologize to you for never having had a, a celebratory parade. Way to Jason, true maybe it up. You can organize <laughs> maybe, uh, Jason, you can I... organize a, re- a reunion parade sometime. But here's Ooh. my question. I've been watching That'd be good. The That'd be good. I've been watching the playoffs, and I noticed it in the playoffs more than anything else. And the NFL seems to have some additional, not referees, but sideline officials in black who stand by coaches. And I noticed them even coming onto the field. Some of these guys are carrying ball bags and um, uh, others. But when there's even like what looks like maybe a dust-up or guys getting into it, I noticed it again when Sneed mm-hmm. and Ayuk, I think it were, got into it. Uh, got together, and uh, these guys come running on the field. The clock's still running, and these guys are in there trying to prevent escalation of things, I would say. Uh, do you explain their role? Have they been there always, and I just started to notice them? Yeah, so good question. Um, in the playoffs, um, because there's only so many crews that get to do them, the all-star crews, as they technically call them, um, they bring in head judges and the more, more experienced guys to work the sidelines. Now, what that does is that gets the head coaches direct communication from a from a, a head official during the season that has direct communication with the head official on the field. So, if there's any questions about penalties or in-game management, that if there's a flag or anything, the communication is much quicker um, than it would be in a normal game. Also. You you said it, you know, spot on that when there were dust-ups, those guys were coming on the field breaking things up. That's simply because they don't want anything to hamper a Super Bowl um, and have the game ruined by a fight with penalties. So they send in the side officials really quick to kind of break things up, make sure everything gets handled so there's no flags that could potentially um, be a huge game-changer throughout a game. So just to make the operation a little bit smoother – Um, for better communication from head coach to um, the head official on the field and just make sure that everything is um, running as it should. Um, I always found that the playoffs operated really smoothly. I always found that with those extra officials on the sideline, with communications, the games always flowed really well. So that's really what it's for is to keep the in-game operation um, moving along. 
You know, I did think it was interesting, Brian. A good question, Jim. Thanks for the call. Um, and I, I did have a feeling that maybe there'd be more than a few folks that would just be excited to talk to you, which I don't personally understand because I've done it for a long time. But I can see for others what how that might be a really enjoyable experience. But I have noticed that they, they expanded this. I don't know how many years ago they did, Brian, but like it's almost as if each coach now in regular season games there's an official positioned on his sideline and i don't know if he was if he's there just so you have someone to complain to like just to vent to so he's not interrupting the other guys or if it's the way the nfl now has kind of unofficially created this sky judge official with replays where they're correcting things where there don't have to be replays initiated and challenges initiated but there are clearly more zebras on the field than there were even as recently as when you were playing yeah i mean i think well i always remember the side judge you know the guy that's on the sideline always would be talking to the coaches the entire time, right? So, obviously, when you flip fields, you get a different side judge. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that side guy is always there for the head coach, for timeouts, for challenges. Obviously, unfortunately for that side judge, he hears it, right? Like, (laughs) the the coach screaming in his ear. All the complaints go to that side judge. So, they kind of have to sit there and take it. And they're the ones that are giving the communication to the head referee about what's going on. Obviously – once the playoffs get going, there's a the side judge isn't getting bothered by that. It's an actual official that didn't get called up for the playoffs that does that. Um, I I'm not sure with the with the sky judge and all. I don't know how the NFL does that because you know I watch games and sometimes the challenges don't even happen and they just right. correct the call on the field. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where that comes from. Um, but I like that they do it, right? Like, I, I personally like it that way, that a call gets corrected when it's an obvious error and the game just continues to move on. There's not a big ordeal about it. I wish that happened more, right? Agreed. Like, I wish that was something that that they kind of pick up because it happens really quick. There's not a big, um, you know, commotion made about it. Then a coach doesn't have to waste a challenge and things. You know, I'm not saying that it should happen on every close play because – the, the NFL does want the drama and the human error of the review and everything like that. That's all part of it. But when there's a clear and obvious say, you know, we're questioning if the ball was actually caught before it was fumbled and things like that or short of a first down, like that stuff should be corrected by the mm-hmm. sky judge. Like, hey, he was a yard short. We shouldn't be wasting a, a challenge on this or he didn't have possession of the ball before he dropped it. Don't even waste our time. Like, let's get the game moving. And those are things that I think the NFL needs to do more. Now, is that guy on the sideline? I have no idea. Like, I, I don't know the kind of the logistics of that. But I, I do know that the side judge in the regular season is the guy that handles the head coaches most of the time, yeah. Yeah, I think what they do is they radio in from New York, and they love to say, after further discussion – and then they don't say yeah, that it's discussion to, yeah. with whoever today's Dean Blandino is or whatever it might be. Uh, but that's I, – yeah. I do – and I agree. Um, I don't know if I love the fact that they just sort of do it um, and they didn't ever say they were going to do this, but it works. And it's better than having to waste the challenge on an obviously blown call. And you risk then, if you get the next one wrong, you're done. 
Whereas, yeah. if you don't have to use one until you absolutely need it, you get that right. You've got your second one, and maybe you've got a third if you need it. All right, let's get to another call before we get to break. 844-770-3776. Let's talk to Jerry in West Dallas. Jerry, good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, great. Uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Balaga, thanks for a lot of great, great Sundays. But uh, uh, no, I appreciate my question, because I feel, I feel the line behind me. Uh, um, the, on the Christian McCafferty touchdown, uh, when can you hit the covering back as a lineman or a tight end? Because oh, I, I, I saw I saw that tight end. He hit that. Now the other guy he couldn't run around him, but the tight end, or, or I think it was a tight end, hit him before Christian McCafferty caught the pass. And I think of those bunch plays, and I thought there was a timing thing that that prevented somebody from hitting somebody before they caught the pass. This is a good question, Jerry. Uh, I don't know about the Mr. Balaga thing. The only person I've ever called Mr. Balaga was Brian's dad when I was doing a story about him after he got drafted, I think. But, I think you uh, have to be- say Mr. Balaga, <laughs> Iowa, if you're going to do it. Yeah, as it may. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a good question, Brian, from Jerry, and I'm also curious about the ch- maybe fold this in there, the challenge of not being uh, an ineligible man downfield because there's a lot of timing yeah. involved for you guys as linemen as well. Yes, yeah, so that play, I, you know, and I, I want to make sure that I have my rules correct, and I'm pretty sure, Jason, you'll be able to correct me on that. If I, I believe you are able to block within one yard of the line of scrimmage before the guy catches the ball, technically, I, I believe is the rule. Mm-hmm. Because if you block further than a yard downfield, then it's a penalty and it's blocking early. Um, and the linemen downfield with that play, I mean, they timed that thing up beautifully. I mean, that was really well executed. Um, and the linemen are allowed to be two yards downfield, I believe, um, before they're deemed an eligible man downfield. So that play, I, I watched it, you know, on the replay, and it was really well executed, really well timed up. Um, Really, one of the linemen didn't even block a guy and completely created that play for McCaffrey. Um, kind of got in the way, threw his body in the way or whatever. It, I think it was the center. I forgot. Um, but blocked him within that one yard. And with a screen, you can start blocking guys as linemen right away. It's the receivers that have to that have that one yard um, within the line of scrimmage that they have okay. to adhere to. Linemen on screens – can start engaging within that two yards right away. So, and I'm not sure if that's considered a screen because it was a, a throwback, right? Cause it was considered right. a lateral. So I'm not sure if that's considered a screen. So I think that's a live ball. Once the ball is thrown backwards, it's not considered a screen or a blocking or a, like a, you know how Aaron always used to just throw the ball out to the receivers out wide real quick a look throw and yep. the guys would be blocking within that one yard. I don't think it's considered that because it's a throwback if I had to take a guess. So I'm not sure if the same rules apply. That would be one we, we need Dean Blandino to talk about that. But um, based on the based on the way the play looked and you look down the sideline view, it was blocked really clean. Everything was within the one yard or two yard for the linemen. There were no guys downfield. Ineligibly is what it seemed like, um, and it was it was well done, at least to my point of view. I think everything was legal on it. So I thought it was interesting, 
and I think one of the reasons I don't want to speak for Jerry, but it, Boomer Esiason at, at halftime before Usher came out uh, claimed that it should have been a penalty and it shouldn't have counted. And I think that created some confusion. I, he was, uh, I think he was wrong. I think you're right, and he was wrong. And I think if you uh, Google a little bit, you'll find that Boomer Esiason was incorrect for the reasons Brian just said. So, but it created confusion and. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not here to bash Boomer Esiason, uh, but you know this because you are, well, the doctor of football, of course. Like when we go to you, and and look, you're not you're not infallible, and Tausch isn't either. Let me tell you, but you guys, mm-hmm. we need you to get as much right as you can, because you're the experts, right? I mean, the, the same holds true for me to a lesser degree. But, like, I can't get things wrong. People are counting on me to get things right. And in that instance, Boomer Esiason was wrong. It was a totally legal play, yeah. and it should have counted. There should not have been a penalty on it. All right, we'll roll on with Brian Bulaga, who is in as our cousin sub of the day. You can also text in your questions, 844-770-3776. We'll get to some of those next. It's Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Missed any of the show? Find us on Wisconsin On Demand wherever you get your podcasts. It's free, it's everywhere, and it's for you. Don't ever see you sober We'll get to our Discussion of the Packers' defense and Brian's observations from the 49ers' defense and how those might apply to Jeff Halfley's system. I also want to get to heartbreaking losses because one of us was in the press box, but the other one of us was on the field for the 2014 NFC Championship game. Um, And if we're going to go through 4th and 26 in the NFC Championship game in 2007 with Tausch, well, we've... We've got to open up some wounds for Brian when he joins us as well. But before we do that, Jesse, you got a couple of text message questions for Brian. I do. Now, some of these are a little more fun than others, I would say. This one kind of comes out of nowhere, but I'm, I'm intrigued. Douglas in Sun Prairie. How do you keep your feet warm on a zero-degree day in football cleats? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, uh, what I normally would do is I would wear a thin pair of socks and then my football socks. That's what I would normally do. And if you were wearing tights, you would just wear um, – like because I would – once we got into cold days, I would just wear the tights with the long white socks, so like the green Under Armour thermal tights and then the thicker white mm-hmm. sock that would pull over to make it look like you're wearing your game socks so you didn't get fined. Um, but if I wasn't wearing tights, I'd wear a really thin white sock underneath my game sock, and that'd be about it. And you would just – once you're on the field moving around, you don't feel it's when you get to the sideline, then you kind of put your feet on those warmer pads that they have that blows out the hot air, and you just try to keep your feet as warm as possible. The The hardest part is I never found the feet. I always found my fingers was the hardest thing to keep – warm right because once those go numb it's hard to get them back so to speak okay uh and those were the things you know when when your hands got numb and frozen up like and you'd have to go out and block someone and you would jam one of those in a shoulder pad or a, a helmet you felt that like that did not feel good so 
the hardest part was keeping that warm. And some guys wore those little, like, thin mittens, like thin gloves underneath their game gloves. I never liked that because I could never feel like I could get a good grip on – And you're you know, a grabber. The, you know, the – yeah, and I'm a grabber, so I need to have as much feeling as I can. And obviously with the cold and then, you know, it, it was a, always a project trying to keep my hands warm on the sideline. Um, I'd be over by the heater a lot, you know, once we got done talking about what just happened in the field, trying to keep my hands warmer. There were little, there were little slots on those heated benches that I would try to stick my hands in constantly to try to get the heat on them just so that when I went out there on the field that I had some feeling in them, you know, so it didn't hurt so bad when you'd be making contact with the D lineman. Did we, have we finally moved on from the, you guys on the offensive line, no matter how freaking cold it is, have to go sleeveless. Is that over now? Cause uh, I feel like there are some guys, if you watch the cold weather games this season, uh, I feel like you saw a few guys with some undershirts, uh, some heat-related long sleeves underneath their uh, ensembles. Yeah, you know, uh, t- to me, it's you got to be sleeveless if you're alive, no matter the temperature. So if there's guys that are doing that, they need to be talked to by <laughs> um, the the veteran in that room. They're like, hey, this is the way it's got to be done. You can't be wearing sleeves when it gets cold. And I always looked at it from a – a tactical advantage, right? The D lineman can't grab that and and use that to his advantage. Your so long not just the to toughness that thing. That. So not just a no, we're tougher always, than you. Yeah, I, I looked at it as a uh, a tactical thing too. Um, I didn't want any extra cloth for a D lineman to be able to grab and pull potentially because um, they'll do any they'll, they'll you know. If they miss the jersey or something like that, and they can grab your arm and pull that cloth, they'll do that too. So, um, I, I just did, I wanted the least amount of clothing possible um, on the upper body so that they couldn't grab and pull anything. So, not just the toughness thing, but also mm. some tactical to that as well. Is the way I look at it. Well, so there you go. See, I told you you learned something from Brian answering football questions. We'll get to a few more of them throughout the show. I do want to get to this. I don't want to call it ridiculous because uh, then Tausch will say I was condescending. I don't want that to happen. It'll get back to him. There'll be a whole thing, and we, we're vibing right now. So this idea that it's just easier. If you just lose earlier, you don't have to endure the heartbreak like the 49ers are feeling, having the Super Bowl slip through their fingers. We'll talk about that with Brian, who is in as our cousin sub of the day. Before we get to the 10 o'clock hour, I want to remind you, you know the Wildies have a lot of pets. And we get our pets' favorites, and you can too, at Fleet Farm. You'll find everything from food and treats to toys and health products all under one roof from all the brands that you trust, dogs or cats, and we have multiple of both. They've got us covered, and they've got you covered. So shop your pets' everyday essentials at Fleet Farm. Don't forget, pick up your sweet deals for your Valentine's Day treats. Today's the day. If you haven't taken care of it yet, you still got time. So swing by Fleet Farm, check out their huge selection of treats like chocolates and gift boxes for the sweetheart in your life. Don't get caught empty-handed. Get Valentine's treats at Fleet Farm. The 10 o'clock hour with Brian Bulaga, our cousin sub of the day. Cousin subs, we believe in better. Starts in two minutes. 
So stick around. It's Wilde and Tausch.